and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. On today's episode, I sit down with Claire Kelly, Vice President of Digital Experiences at Aspire. Aspire is a leading nonprofit organization that is defining what it means to radically be inclusive. Claire's team equips businesses with training and consultation to advance their DEI efforts and spark community engagement through live events and the Amplify Inclusion podcast, which Claire hosts. Claire, thank you so much for jumping on with me today. Thanks for having me, Sherry. Excited to be here. So we recently had an internal training with Aspire on disability inclusion and accessibility. Um, It was awesome, super eye-opening, gave me a lot to think about. But you started that session by telling the people on the call what you looked like, what your background looked like. I loved this. It was so eye-opening. So I hope that maybe we could start with you modeling what that's like um, for those that are, are visually impaired or have um, different kinds of visual expectations with their screens and stuff. Yes, definitely. So what you observed was myself and my colleagues providing a verbal image description of ourselves. So I'll provide one now by letting you know that I am a white woman with long, dark brown hair. Today it's curly. Um, I'm wearing a long sleeve black sweater over a teal shirt. And I'm also wearing a very large headset with a built-in microphone for our conversation today. And behind me, I have a blurred background, but you can slightly make out a tall bookshelf over my right shoulder. So so to provide a little context here, Sherry, so image descriptions are what we refer to as an inclusive best practice. And as you said, it's for staying mindful of people who are blind, who have low vision, or maybe somebody who's just unable to access a screen, you know. So uh, this is just a way of providing access to a visual. Thank you for that. As I think about helping others understand this space of disability inclusivity, Maybe we could start with sharing a little bit about what is that definition of disability inclusion? Wow. Well, this is such a great question. And I I do want to be clear first that I can only speak from my eye, right, and what I've come to understand. And from my perspective, I actually think it's helpful to first kind of separate these two words and think about them individually before we put them back together. So first off, disability uh, can be defined as any condition of the body or mind that substantially limits one or more major life activities. So we start there, and then we add that we also know that disabilities can be visible or invisible. We know that disabilities can be temporary or permanent. And I think it's fairly common knowledge, but perhaps not that disabilities can influence how a person moves, how they communicate, how they function. So there's a a lot of ways that we can come at disability, but just some general ideas there in terms of a definition of that term. Then if we think about inclusion and unpack that a bit, at its core uh, is belonging, right? It's about feeling you have a rightful place within an environment, in a community, uh, you know, being heard, being valued. And at its core, it's about having opportunities for full and meaningful participation. Those are really key words, meaningful participation. So if we kind of bring these words back together, 
the disability inclusion movement is really pushing for universally accessible environments so that people with disabilities have the same opportunities for participation as people without disabilities. So, you know, it's about removing barriers and maximizing opportunities for people with disabilities. What are some of the common barriers that you've seen that um, affect participation for those with disabilities? Unfortunately, there's a really long list (laughs) and overwhelmingly uh, there are societal barriers, you know, things that are built into our systems and structures in our communities. So there's a lot of layers here, but just to provide one tangible example is that aspect of physical accessibility. So I think you're aware of this, Sherry, but, you know, just last month was the 31st anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And we still have spaces across all of our communities that are not meeting the baseline requirements for physical access. So when you think about what that means for belonging and not being able to feel welcome or get to a space, that's a really significant barrier. And then another piece that's not something we can see and which serves as a really central barrier is false narratives that exist about people with disabilities. So, you know, I don't think it's a secret that there's a deep, dark history of oppression and separation of people with, uh, you know, people from the disability community. So when we think about, you know, decades of exclusion and education and employment, and then we pair that with stereotypes of disability that we see in media and, you know, on the internet, it's not surprising that most people without disabilities have a really limited understanding of disability, you know, and this leads to ableist beliefs, ableist behaviors, you know, it's, it's in the language that we use, the ways that we think about uh, our surroundings. And so to break the barrier of misperceptions, we really have to work to, you know, reframe our mindsets around what disability is. You talked about education and I'm curious you know, if you're if you're listening to this, where are some places or, or how do you start having this education conversation? Because you might be in an organization where you don't have anybody that has an outward facing disability, but you might have somebody that has something internal and they, they don't share about it, you don't know about it. And I think a lot a lot of times that comes down to education. You don't know the right questions to ask or Um, how to create, you know, a safe environment where people can share what's going on with them. So, you know, where do we start educating ourselves on the topic? Well, I think you say an important word or important phrase there, which is educating ourselves, because that's where we have to start, right? That's where we have the chance to do something is take accountability and responsibility for ourselves. So the two things that come to mind first for me are one, listen to the perspectives of the disability community. You know, those perspectives are everywhere. They're out there. They're important. And um, on top of that, start engaging in conversations about what you're learning, you know, whether that's just exploring further things you don't understand, talking to friends, family, you know, in your household, in your workplace. Uh, We have to open up the conversation, right? Because that's how we start to move away from fear and avoidance by talking about it. Um, So, you know, start by making an active effort to listen to those authentic perspectives with people with disabilities. So that's where I'm honestly constantly learning the most and, you know, seeking out books, documentaries, and specifically things that were not just created about, but created by people with disabilities. So we know that those are, you know, authentic lived experiences. 
There's an author who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, she's a disability rights activist. Her name is Emily Ladau. Um, and she just published her first book. It's called Demystifying Disability. And I think it's an awesome first step. If you want to pick up that book, it's very user-friendly, a lot of great information. Um, and I'm super proud to say that Emily is actually going to be a featured guest on Aspire's podcast in our September episode to talk about the book. So, um, you know, we're really utilizing that our podcast platform to elevate the voices and perspectives of people with disabilities and, and try to start uh, people getting people engaged in these conversations. And we will definitely put that in the show notes so that you can link out to the podcast that Claire hosts and uh, listen to Emily as an upcoming guest. You know, Claire, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for companies right now in this space? Ah, so many opportunities. Sherry, I get excited thinking about the possibilities and there's there's a lot of movement happening around disability inclusion. So it's really exciting. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is diversifying employment. This is a huge opportunity that we all have before us. You know, we need more businesses and companies intentionally hiring people with disabilities. So, you know, the benefits of diversifying a workforce and focusing on disability inclusion, they're tremendous. And it's not just because it's the right thing to do, because it is, right? But companies committed to it, they're seeing greater productivity, you know, shifts in inclusive culture, and there's financial benefits as well. So, you know, it's a all-around win. And our community employment team here at Aspire, we're partnering with businesses all over who are committed to hiring people with disabilities. We're working, you know, with them to advance those efforts. So uh, there's a huge opportunity there. And, you know, one thing I want to add that comes to mind here when we're thinking about disability hiring is that we have to be thinking about all levels, you know, frontline staff to executive positions. So, you know, not only do we need that diversity in perspectives, but Think about, you know, the ripple effects when the next generation is able to see people with disabilities in positions of power and in leadership positions in our community. That's a huge opportunity, right, for shifting the paradigm and misperceptions. It's so important to be able to see yourself in your future being represented by people in leadership. We talk about that a lot when we talk about DE&I as if you can't see yourself, then it's really hard to advance or really hard to go for those, you know, higher level positions if nobody's ever done it or you don't see anybody doing it. So I really like that you called that out. You know, once you've you've put these efforts in place and you're seeing traction and your um, percentages are changing in your organization, what are some really important inclusion strategies that you need to keep in mind as you create this diversity in this space? Sure. So... I think, you know, I think back to the WeConnect training that you and your team received and, you know, we provide both personal and professional strategies, right? So that we can think about um, the way that we're contributing in all spaces. And the first thing that comes to mind on, on a personal level is thinking about and staying mindful of the power of language, right? Because words matter and it's a tool that we all have to act against ableism, right? So, um, you know, in staying mindful of language and both the messaging that our companies use and the messaging and language we use in our interactions, we want to really try to avoid euphemisms. 
uh, like differently abled, special, and instead use the word disability. It's not a bad word, right? It's a it's a term associated with pride and um, you know a deep, rich history. So I encourage people also to learn more about person first language and identity first language, which are two common preferences of the disability community. Always just keeping in mind that how an individual chooses, identifies and chooses to be represented is is very important. And then, you know, thinking about our professional settings, and this is so important, is, uh, you know, making sure that disability is a part of the conversation when it comes to diversity inclusion. So, you know, we know that companies, an increasing number of companies are advancing efforts around DNI and it's amazing and it's important, but unfortunately, disability is still often left out of those conversations, right? So we have to remember that disability is a part of diversity. Disability intersects with all other identities, backgrounds, experiences. So if we're talking about a comprehensive approach, then we have to make sure that disability is, is a part of those conversations. I really appreciate you sharing the viewpoint of language, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, and I always bring my full self to this podcast, I totally have been using differently abled because I thought that was um, the correct term or the, the most accurate term and the most non-offensive. So um, I appreciate that. I mean, I think just, you know, I, I hope those listening are, are walking away with a little bit of knowledge, you know, in that training that you did with us, you know, another thing that you talked about was, you know, common courtesy and your your desire to help people when you see somebody who's disabled, like opening a door or grabbing something off the shelf. And, you know, you really pushed us to think like, are we doing that for them? Do they want it? Did you ask? Um, and I love that. I think that's such a really um, way to kind of just introduce yourself to this concept and change your mindset and start asking that question of, do you need help? Would you like help? those kinds of things. Um, do you have any other phrases or things that, you know, we should be aware of that maybe people are saying or doing that they think is the right thing, but um, you'd encourage us to, to look at it a different way? Hmm, that's a great question. You know, I think I, I will say one thing about kind of the differently abled term because it's not uncommon. It's used a lot. And I think what I would encourage people to think about is that words like that are often used with really good intentions, right? But what we have to be thinking about is, does the impact of our words match those good intentions? Um, and I think we also have to be careful, generally speaking, that uh, not all people with disabilities have the same viewpoints on terms. So there may be someone who has a disability who prefers the term differently abled. But what I have to speak to is what I've learned from the disability community and the majority of the community uh, when we're thinking about euphemisms sees, um, you know, words that avoid the term disability as an attempt to erase the term disability or to, uh, you know, paint it as negative. And that causes a lot of harm when we look about look at how that influences our perception. So I think that's just another phrase I'd um, plug in there is, uh, you know, do our intentions match our impact? Yeah, absolutely. You know, your organization, Aspire, has been a wonderful partner in educating, you know, our diversity leadership team. Um, can you tell me more about, you know, that program that you offer? And then 
I'm really excited. Hopefully you can share a little bit more too about Aspire Coffee and Aspire Art 360. Such cool programs that you have. Yeah. Thank you for asking about those. So we we have a variety of programs. So um, like your team experience, we do provide consulting services and training around disability inclusion, as well as inclusive hiring. Um, we also provide independent living and employment services for people with disabilities. Uh, and as you mentioned, we have two social enterprises. So these programs focus on inclusive employment and fair pay for people with disabilities. So Aspire Art 360 is a professional studio. Uh, it provides possibilities for people with disabilities to become professional artists by, you know, offering the opportunity to build a career by selling artwork to corporations, private collectors. Um, and, you know, the studio also serves as a platform for disability awareness, right, and what that looks like in our communities. So, you can learn more about Aspire Art 360, um, commission a custom piece, or check out our inventory at art360gallery.org. Uh, and then I do also want to mention Aspire Coffee Work. So uh, it's another social enterprise. It's a coffee company in partnership with Metropolis Coffee Company, a local roaster. Um, Aspire Coffee Works employs adults with autism, people with Down syndrome, and other disabilities. And What's incredible is that 100% of the net proceeds benefit people with disabilities at Aspire. So AspireCoffeeWorks.com for more information. And Sherry, I'm super excited that the Aspire Coffee Works team shared a special code here. PCTY gives all lowercase for $5 off an initial online order. So uh, again, that's PCTY gives all lowercase. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so excited we did that. You know, um, we have Aspire Coffee in our coffee machines in the office and I absolutely love it. Tastes good and it, it goes for a good cause. So Claire, thanks for jumping on and teaching us a little bit more about disability inclusion and accessibility. Um, and I can't wait to read Emily's book. Thank you so much for the suggestion. Yeah. And I, you know, I really want to say quickly, we're so proud to call Paylocity a partner. You know, I, you mentioned that you all are using, supporting Aspire Coffee Works, but Paylocity is also volunteering with Aspire. You know, you're utilizing our trainings and our consultations. So your partnership means a lot. And we're just so glad to have you as part of the Aspire community. So thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.